Hi everybody, this is Cheryl Richardson. Welcome to the welcome to the new year. <laughs> welcome to 2019 and um, a little session on self-care. Um, self-care for the new year, let's say that, shall we? Um, it's good to be back. I haven't been here for a couple of a few weeks now with the holidays and things were a little crazy. So um, it's good to be back here with you and I'll wait a couple of minutes before, um, before I get started to give you a chance to say hello and to join. Welcome, um, Elif. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. And hi, Kathy and um, Kate. Welcome to you. And hi, Stephanie. Happy New Year to you too. And Joel, welcome. Yeah, it has been a long time. I know. I know. I'm glad to um, I'm glad to be back <clears throat> and um, really looking forward to talking with all of you. Hi, Becky. Glad you're here too. Yeah, and feel free to tell me where you're from also. It's really, it's nice to hear where people are from as well. Um, hi, Julie. Welcome. Happy New Year. And Gretchen. Hi, I'm glad you're here too. Gretchen's a top fan. <laughs> I know Facebook's been doing this top fan um, uh, heading now, and uh, I appreciate I appreciate all of you, and I also appreciate those who are top fans. It must mean we interact a lot. Hi, Christina, welcome to you, and Diane um, from Plum Island, my Plum Island, like up here, Plum Island. <laughs> welcome to you. Hi, Mary and um, Shaf, welcome. Happy New Year. Hi, Chiara or Chiara from Italy. Welcome. Hi, Lisa. Glad you're here. Another top fan. <laughs> um, hi, Janice from Tennessee and Stephanie um, from the UK. I am coming to the UK, Stephanie. I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I should think about that. Um, I don't have, I, I'm planning to come there for um, vacation and for a visit because I love the UK so much, but I suppose I could talk to um, Hay House or, um, oh gosh, uh, Alternatives about maybe doing a talk while I'm there. It'd be nice to do that. I haven't spoken in the UK in a while and I would really love to do that. So thanks for reminding me. I'll make a little note. Let me make a note actually. UK visit talk. <laughs> there, and then I hope you'll come Stephanie. Um, hi, Debbie. Welcome from Florida and Vanessa from London, one of my favorite places. Lori from Buffalo, cold place. And I'm um, Helen from Australia. Welcome to you. I was just reading um, last night, um, just before Christmas, I told you all about Cy Montgomery's new book, uh, How to Be a Good Creature, a memoir in 13 animals. And she's just this amazing woman. She wrote The Good Good Pig and uh, the soul of an octopus. And I saw Sai last week for lunch and we were talking about her incredible travels and her work with animals. And I was just reading in her book last night, Helen, she was in Adelaide, Australia, I think researching emus, I wanna say emus, emus. <laughs> and she writes about them so beautifully. Uh, made me wanna see what they look like. Anyway, welcome to you and um, Hi, Kate. Yeah, Kate, you're coming to the stage next. Great. So, yeah, we're about to, to announce our next retreat, which is going to happen in April, uh, the weekend of the 12th through the 14th. And um, again, I'm going to be joined by Russ Hudson for this one because we're going to be using the tool of the Enneagram in our work together. And really, this retreat, you know, 
all of them are different and they're all about dealing with the people who were there and what's going on in their lives. So they're kind of customized in that way. Um, this one, the, the kind of loose focus is on getting out of your own way, really looking at the behaviors and patterns that you want to shift and the relationships you want to improve and, um, you know, whatever challenges you're faced with, seeing them as a gift and working with them so that you are able to not only deal with them, but to learn and grow from them. So, but as those of you who have been to the retreats know, it really is about dealing with um, just being present for the people who show up and supporting them in whatever challenges they're faced with and whatever goals and, and, um, and dreams they want to accomplish. So that's, that's, um, that's what we're all about. We have a great time. The Stage Neck is a beautiful place. Russ is a really, really wise teacher. He's the world's leading expert on the Enneagram. And um, it's, a, it's a personality typing system that really captures the spiritual essence of who people are. I can't recommend it enough. We'll, um, I'll, I'll put a link to a place where you can take a test to find out your type. There are nine different types. I'll put a link um, in the post here when we're done. Um, Terry, will you let me know if you're here so that I know if you're capturing that? I'll make a note too. Um, so anyway, yeah, the retreats are, they're really life-changing for people who show up and fully, you know, playful out and um, are really ready to make positive changes in their lives. And we have a lot of fun. We laugh a lot. And the ocean is gorgeous. It's we've got the open ocean on one side, and we have um, we have the uh, harbor on the other side. The sunsets are beautiful. You know, it's just a beautiful place. I like beauty, as you all probably know by now. Um, hi, Anne. Welcome from California. Who's at lunch? I hope you're having something yummy. And um, hi, Penny and Ga uh, Gala from Phoenix, and Catherine um, from. South Haven, Missouri, it looks like. I don't have my glasses on. And Maria from Black Mountain, North Carolina. Hi, Philip from Liverpool. Welcome to you. And Nancy Powers, hi. And Michelle Richardson, you're a namesake. <laughs> Wonder if we're related. Um, anyway, thank you all for being here. I'm really glad that you are. And, um, you know, I, I think I posted here on Facebook every year, I guess in some ways it's probably because of the stage that I'm in in life. But I, um, I find myself really resisting goal setting and resolutions in the beginning of the year. I guess in a lot of ways what I wanted to just talk a little bit about and then I'll open up for your questions and support you in any way I can. Um, I want to talk about what happens when we reach the sort of midpoint of life, whatever that is, or when we reach a, a milestone or um, a time in life when we begin to question things. Now this can happen for some people in their late 20s, early 30s. And then it can also happen as we reach 50, where um, we start to make a shift, a shift from pursuing goals, striving for success, pushing ourselves and driving hard. We make a shift from that if you're practicing good self-care from that way of operating to uh, allowing life to lead, is the way I'll say it. Allowing yourself to focus more on being present, becoming a receptacle for wisdom, scheduling quiet time, cultivating a practice of presence, meditation, however you want to define that. Um, 
but you start, you know, I find that I've reached a point in life where I want what's next for me to pull me toward it instead of me trying to push or strive or drive towards something. Does that make sense? And the way to be able to hear what life is saying, um, the, the way to be able to, yeah, thank you for the hearts. That's actually really helpful. When I say, um, does that make sense? Um, uh, when, you, when you press the hearts or the thumbs up, it's, it, I guess it's our best way of interacting with one another, right? So there's just a way in which we grow tired or weary of pushing and, and striving all the time, driving to make things happen. <laughs> a lot of you understand what I'm talking about. And we're invited to trust life more, to trust our higher wisdom more, to trust our intuition, to trust space more and patience and um, the... Uh, the creation of time in our schedules. Uh, you know, we're more interested in really becoming a chalice, you know, becoming a, a receptacle for not only our own higher wisdom, but remembering that our own higher wisdom is connected to the higher energy of the universe. The thing that, you know, the grace, if you will, I call it grace with a capital G, we're connected to... Um, this higher energy that leads us, that's always trying to lead us, um, that's always communicating with us in some fashion. The question is, are you present enough to hear that communication, right? When you are, when you slow down, when you refuse to rush, when you start paying attention, when you uh, sit your butt in a chair and close your eyes and get quiet, and tell your mind that it needs to just, that you are the boss of it, <laughs> instead of the mind being the boss of you, that your soul, who you really are, I always think of it as the higher self behind me, your soul is going to run the show, and that you're going to train your mind, you're going to shape it to become an ally by teaching it to be present, to get quiet, and to listen so that you can connect more with what really matters to you and you can, um, and from that place you make better choices and decisions. So there is a way in which midlife invites us to trust life and to trust ourselves, to trust a deeper part of ourselves. It invites us to live more vertically than horizontally. I know I get, um, I'm I, sometimes I just feel so, uh, pushed and pulled and distracted by the horizontal callings of life, the appointments that have to be made, the phone calls that have to be responded to, the email that has to be responded to, the commitments that we have, the work obligations, the relationships that we have. And I think um, I'll say as a woman, and I think it's true for a lot of women, it's probably true for men maybe in a bit of a different way. I find myself more and more in need of time alone unstructured time alone where I'm not being pulled in multiple directions because um, I appreciate spontaneity and I appreciate uh, peace and flow and synchronicity. And as I wrote in last uh, yesterday's blog, I write a blog every week um, 
usually about something that's happening in my life. And as I wrote in yesterday's blog, the chance to witness the miracles that happen every single day in life to every one of us, whether you believe it or not, there are extraordinary things happening in your life every day all around you. The question is, are you, are you there? <laughs> That's the question. Are you there? And yesterday, over the weekend, I was there when I looked outside and something caught my eye and I moved to the window and I saw a deer, a doe, big white-tailed doe, leaping in place, just leaping up and dropping down. And leaping up and dropping down, I thought, what the heck is going on? And when I looked out the window, I sat there patiently looking, trying to figure out why he or she was, she was just leaping. All of a sudden, this big red fox crested the hill just beyond her, and um, I realized they were playing with one another. The fox would move in a little bit and should back off and then come back in and leap, much like a dog or a cat would do. And they went back and forth like that for a while. And I stopped what I was doing. I thought, nothing's more important than this moment. I want to be here for it. It's a miracle. Like how often, I've, I've never seen a doe and a fox play with one another before. And I sat there for five or 10 minutes and watched them do that. And then the doe leapt over a stone wall right next to our house. Just, it's amazing how high these little beings can fly. Leapt over a stone wall and um, the fox sort of looked, moved forward a little bit, looked again, and then all of a sudden went over the stone wall as well. And it was just magical. And honestly, I'm telling you, um, those are the things that I want to be present for in life. Those magical moments that remind me that this world can be an extraordinary place when we're present for it. And given all of the craziness that's going on in the world right now, we need to be able to carve out our own little piece of heaven now and then in order to stay sane and present and to be able to do, to, to be a good influence on the planet. So anyway, um, uh, I'm looking at, I see all of you, um, all of you posting here. Yeah, I haven't been here for a while. I'm back. Anyway, I just want to say, I really want you to think about what it would be like to instead of worrying about your own mission or vision or goals or resolutions, what would it be like to allow life to lead you, to let a vision, to get quiet enough to connect with the things that really move you, excite you, are important to you, matter to you, to get quiet enough to connect with those things in such a way that life gets a very clear message that you want to energize these things and it begins to bring opportunities your way. Now that might sound a little woo-woo and crazy, but all you have to do is try it and then pay attention to the unexpected email you get or the phone call or the animal that shows up in your backyard. I know one of my intentions is to connect more with the wild world. And um, I love how just today, this afternoon, I was at the kitchen sink. I was making a cup of tea and I was washing a few dishes. And, and I always look out the window and I live in the country and I was looking out at this, the beginnings of a squirrel's nest that were outside. And suddenly I looked to the left and something red caught my eye and I saw this giant, and I mean giant, woodpecker I've never seen before. It had to be like, God, like a foot tall. I can't, like, like, like that tall. It must have been a foot tall, bright flaming red head. 
and it was, you know, knocking on one of the trees. And I thought, oh my God, I ran and grabbed my camera. I did get a picture of it. I'll post it um, on Facebook or on Instagram. I got a picture of it. And I was just, I thought, boy, you know, if I hadn't stayed there in that moment and just stared outside and instead of worrying about what do I need to do next, what needs to be done now, you know, instead of having like a game plan in my head, about the next 17 things that I'm going to accomplish, whether it's loading the dishwasher or sending an email or doing an errand, whatever it is. I know you women know what I'm talking about. Instead of putting my energy there, I decided to actually just be present and look out the window and notice what was in my environment. And so I decided to be there. And that's what I'm saying to you. I want you to decide to be present in your life to be here, to be here now, as they say, right? Life is just waiting to unfold herself at your feet, to share with you some really beautiful things. Um, and all you need to do is keep your eyes open, keep them peeled, look around. Uh, whether you live in a city or the country doesn't matter. I've seen some beautiful, beautiful sights in the city. A mother cuddling her little child or a couple kissing in a corner somewhere, you know? Um, you just wanna be there. That's what you want. Anyway, all right. Um, and I do wanna say too, along with the retreat that's coming up in April, we're, we're gonna, we're announcing it this week to the wait list. So if you go to CherylRichardson.com and click on retreat, if you're interested to find out first, Put yourself on the wait list. Uh, the retreat I did with Russ last year sold out pretty quickly. So um, put yourself on the wait list and you'll get an email this week, probably on Thursday. And that's going out before everybody else gets notified. Um, that's number one. And then number two, there was something else I was going to say to you. What was it? Went right out of my head. Okay, it'll come back to me. Um, so here's what I want to say, though. Um, I want to invite you to post a question, anything I can support you with in terms of um, any kind of coaching I can provide you with. You can post it in here. And um, if you do post a question, be sure to copy it because um, Facebook doesn't let me go back. Um, so And the, the posts go by pretty quickly. So I might miss your question. If you post a question and I don't answer, it's because um, I didn't see it or it flew by me. So just feel free to post it again in the comments section. It's perfectly fine to do that. And um, I'm just gonna look here at some of your messages. Uh, yeah. Heather says, for this year, I dug out my best year of your life kit um, from Debbie Ford, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I remember Debbie's voice when leading the weekly community calls and only met her once during one of her retreats. Um, yeah, her, the best year, the best year of your life, I forget the title of the book, but the best year yet is um, Kit is a really great kid as well. She was just so brilliant. She is so brilliant. Hi, Judy. Welcome to you. And Kath, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, so let's see. Uh, Stephanie says, putting so much pressure on myself often stops me in my tracks and makes me feel overwhelmed. Really good point, Stephanie. That's what we do. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I do it all the time. I catch myself doing it. Often, if I'm feeling off, if my mood starts to plummet, I say to myself, what's going on? Where are you putting pressure on yourself? It's a really good question to ask. Where am I putting pressure on myself? 
pressure is meant for tires, people, <laughs> not for human beings. And so, um, yeah, better to flow and allow and enjoy daily joy. Yesterday for me um, was watching a tiny bubble float around me as I was washing up. That's great. It seemed to float around me for a good five minutes. Yeah, that's what I mean about being there. We can find joy in really simple things. Um, thanks, Bonnie says, this, my time with you is a little slice of me time. Good. I'm glad it is. I'm glad it is. All right. I'm scrolling through. Um, let's see. Looking for your questions. Anything I can help you with? Um, uh, oh, yeah. So Jan says, my mother's very ill with cancer. I'm struggling to accept it. I'm struggling to be positive in any way right now. You know, believe it or not, Jan, one of the things that's going to help you is embracing what you're feeling right now. So instead of, you don't want to struggle all the time, of course. And it's really smart to look for things like sometimes even just reading a good book to get lost in or to get some um, inspiration from or talking to a close friend or walking in nature. Um, those things are important. And that at the same time, um, it's a hard thing to accept. It's really hard when a loved one is really sick, Jan. And in some ways, excuse me, we also want to embrace the reality of how hard it is. The tough things we go through in life forge gold. They make us stronger. They help us to grow. They teach us that we have what it takes to get through anything. They also teach us to really appreciate the preciousness of life. And what you really, what you want right now more than anything, Jan, is to be, to take really good care of yourself and to be as present with your mom as you can. And don't be afraid to have the, the tough conversations. Um, I don't know if she's ready for that. It's hard when the person who's really sick um, isn't ready for tough conversations. Um, but if she invites conversations about the preciousness of life and her fragility, um, do your best to be open to those conversations and get good support. I'm going to put you right in my prayer book, sweetheart. The good old red book, you all. I've heard me talk about this. If you've been with me on Facebook Live before, I'm going to put you and your mom, Jan and her mom, in the book. And, um, you know, just reminding yourself, this is hard. I am struggling. We're, it's supposed to be hard when we're dealing with um, our loved ones who are sick or when we're losing loved ones. I mean, that's just, those are hard things to deal with. You know, we can't, we can't pretend they're not. And sometimes trying to pretend they're not makes it worse. I guess that's what I'm saying, Jan. So anyway, um, I'm sending you a big hug. If you were here, I would give you a big hug. That's what I would do. Um, Kate says, how do you feel? How do you learn to feel less guilty when you're taking more time for yourself? Um, even when other things are in need of your attention, things or people, the way that we learn to feel less guilty is by feeling guilty. What do I mean by that? I mean, the only way we learn to be with the discomfort of guilt is by doing those things that make us feel guilty, doing them anyway, and be feeling the guilt and doing it anyway. There's a book I should write, feel the guilt and do it anyway. <laughs> Although that could be like an invitation for some dangerous things, I suppose. 
but in, in your case, it isn't, um, Kate. And for a lot of men and women I deal with, narcissists don't come to my workshop, I often say. So a lot of the people I deal with um, need to feel, need to learn how to be with guilt. I feel guilty all the time. And you know what? I see it as a sign that I'm doing the right thing, Kate. And so, yeah, sometimes there are things, I mean, right now I could sit here and give you a list of, you know, 20 things that I need to do that should be done. But then I say, you know, Life is too precious to be taking time away from my own self-care. Of course, I also don't want to procrastinate, but there are times where I just need to make my self-care a number one priority, and you do too, Kate. And the way you'll get comfortable with guilt is by getting used to it. So that means you do things that make you feel guilty so you get used to it, okay? It's my best advice for that, for right now anyway. Um, let's see. Um, yeah. Yeah, Mary says, new for me this year is caring for my mother with Alzheimer's. I'm just realizing that helping her now extends to me helping all the people she helps. Okay, let's say that differently, Mary. This is really important. Instead of I'm just realizing that helping her now extends me to all the people she helps, what it means is, what the way you want to say that is, I'm now realizing that I'm going to be challenged to set limits with the people that my mother was helping because my priority needs to be my self-care first and then her care. You have permission. Anytime we are dealing with anyone who needs us, we've got to take care of ourselves first as best we can. Now listen, when my father was sick and when he was dying, um, you know, I'm fortunate I come from a large family and everybody rallied. And there were times where I had to get up and drive two hours in traffic to the hospital. And if I did it too much, I'd get burnt out and resentful and it wouldn't be good. And I would call on another sibling to help, for example. We have to be willing to set limits. We have to be willing to make our self-care a priority first. And then so that we can be connected to the person we love that needs us. Because those situations, as hard as they can be, as much of a pain in the ass as they can be, are spiritual opportunities for growth. They challenge us to set limits, to set boundaries, to take better care of ourselves, and to be with the people we love during hard situations, to be there more, to have the difficult conversations, to, um, to discover what we're made of in some ways. And so um, you do not automatically have to extend yourself to the people your mom uh, was helping. What you need to do is first get yourself some help uh, and look for resources that may be able to provide them with help. Otherwise, if you're running thin already, you've waited too long, um, and we all do that, so that's no judgment, uh, Mary. I'm just saying that I would. what I want for you is to get a reserve of support, more support than you think you need, okay? All right. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Looking at your questions here. Um, okay, so Kathleen says, I need to find a new way to earn income as I don't want to stay in my current job. I'm 64 years old, tired of working on others' dreams. How do I figure out what to do next? Well, Kathleen, so I'm assuming that, you know, you, you, you need to work to make money. I'm going to make that assumption. If that's not the case, you can let me know. Um, and 
what I would say is this, if you want to get out of the job that you're in because it's boring or it's stressful or it drives you crazy or whatever, then um, I think one of the fastest ways to, uh, to earn extra money is to first make a list of all of the uh, skills that you have. What are the things that you do really well? And then look for the websites where you can post some of those skills. Now, what comes to mind for me, for example, is um, my friend Anastasia Bryce, who owns assistyou.com. Now, it's a virtual assistant training company, and they also have a referral service. And um, Kathleen, this is a good example. There's so many women who were working in corporate America who didn't like what they were doing, maybe didn't like the people they were working with, or just were fed up you know, making, just fed up going to a, a regular nine to five job and instead trained to become virtual assistants where they would stay in their homes, create a home office and support one or two or three different business owners as partners. I've used virtual assistants for years. Anastasia was my very first virtual assistant more than 20 years ago. So, um, and that was using administrative skills in a way that gave these women more freedom and flexibility, which made a huge difference. And they made really good money doing it more than they were making in their corporate jobs. So um, there are websites like Indeed and Care.com. I think Care.com is a great website. It's, I don't think Care.com is just for housekeeping and um, personal errands and um, elderly care. I think it can be used for a lot of different kinds of uh, care services. And you might want to check that out as well, Kathleen. But start by making a list of um, what you're skilled at. And if, you, if you're not sure about that, get together with four or five of your closest friends and ask them to tell you what you're great at. Because sometimes what we're naturally good at comes so naturally to us that we can't see it. And um, then you can begin to use those skills to maybe craft a little business for yourself that can support you while you do the um, while you do the the longer term work of maybe working with a career counselor or as a matter of fact, Kathleen, if you send an email, send an email to Lisa at Cheryl. Actually, let me say that differently. Yeah, send an email to Lisa at CherylRichardson.com. And put in there finding your passion. Lisa's here. She knows that um, she knows I'm talking to you. I'm going to send you a link. I have an audio program I did quite a while ago called Finding Your Passion. And it's all about how we discover what it is we love to do and then do it. And so um, I will send you a digital copy, uh, a digital link to that program. Uh, just send Lisa uh, a, a, an email and I'll make arrangements with our webmaster to get you that. And that will help you in the longer term. But if you want to get out of your current job, you know, we're moving in more and more to a um, self-employed economy where people are taking their skills and their struggles, uh, their skills and their struggles. I just saw struggle on there. Their skills and their talents. And um, they're using them to craft uh, more freedom and flexibility into their schedules, which I think is awesome, by the way. Um, okay, great. Let's see. Uh, Let's see if I can get this. Oof. Hi, Carrie. I'm glad you're here. Um, I'm looking. Okay. Yeah, so Cassie says, wanting to keep my energy high and clear, can you suggest ways to raise it? 
Yes, I can. Simple ways. Take a shower, get yourself underwater or in a bath. Clears energy and naturally raises your energy. Uh, clean the sh uh, change the sheets on your bed. Get up and move your body. Get outside. Take a walk. Um, do something to move your body will raise your energy. Talk to uplifting people. Uh, listen to a podcast. Michael and I were driving the other night. We had a long drive. It was an hour and a half drive. And we went to onbeing.org. Um, I'm going to make a note to uh, put that in the post here too. We went to onbeing.org. And we listened to the interview that Krista Tippett did with David White, the poet, who I love. I love David and his work. And um, we were so inspired and energized afterwards, um, after listening to that, that we went on on the way home to listen to him recite some of his poetry on the same, uh, on onbeing.org. Um, so those are some of the ways that you can raise energy. Uh, also, I think about, Matt, I see that you're here. I'm thinking about one of my, one of my CrossFit buddies is here. And you know, going and doing the doing exercise that you don't typically do is a great way to raise your energy, to meet new friends, and to um, to just get inspired. I mean, doing the opposite of what you'd normally do is sometimes a way that you can raise energy. There are times where when I, if, if, if I'm feeling low energy, I think, okay, what am I about to do? What would the opposite of that be? Now, I know this sounds crazy, but I want you all to think about it, and I want you to try it. So to raise your energy, the next time you start to feel a dip in your energy or you're feeling bored or frustrated or whatever, and you're about to do something, ask yourself, what would be the opposite of what I'm about to do? And if you can do it, do it and see what happens. How about that? How about that? Okay. All right. Let's see. Um, I'm scrolling through here. Chris says, uh, hi, Cheryl, I'm in transition with work and know I have worth to have the job I desire, but it's tough not being in, uh, it's tough not feeling sh shame about not working. Yes, Chris, I totally understand that. You know, I used to be a, a, a counselor for people who were laid off and um, we would go through this kind of thing of, you know, feeling when we, um, I want to make a note of something here, Chris, when we are used to identifying ourselves with our work. A lot of people's identity is wrapped up in what they do. I mean, men especially, I don't know if you're a man or a woman, but men especially were raised to see their identity as their work. But even women, what, anything we do a lot of, you know, if we dedicate, we dedicate so much of our lives to our jobs, right? That they become, we think they become, let me say it differently. They become who we think we are. When in fact, Chris, you're not your job. And you're not valuable whether or not you're working. And so sometimes it's just, of course, important to recognize that. The other thing I think is important, Chris, especially when a, uh, a period of job loss has been, has been extensive. And for, depending on the position that you had, you know, it can take a while to get a new job, especially the job that you want. One of the things we can do is start volunteering in very specific places related to the kind of work you want to do so that you feel you, you are engaged in activities that demonstrate to you your worth and your value. Um, people around you who love you already know your, your worth and value. 
But if you can engage in activities that really support others, like I think it's really important to always be asking, how can I help you? How can I help you? Especially when you're unemployed and you're trying to figure out um, what it is you want to do next or you're trying to find the next job, finding places where you can volunteer your time, finding people that you can support. And instead of just having networking lunches related to finding you know, your job and your needs, have them and say to people, I'm here to see how I can support you to see what I may be able to do to help you out. I mean, these are the kinds of things that are really important. So um, I would encourage you to begin there, Chris, to uh, really get, you know, work those muscles, those, those special muscles of yours that express your gifts and your talents. And um, you'll be feeling valuable in no time. And then the added benefit of that is, you start meeting people who actually can lead you to your next position. I promise you that'll happen without a doubt. Okay, let's see. A couple more before we... Um, uh, let's see. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Facebook scrolls your questions by so fast, people. It makes me crazy. Um, okay. Lots of career questions. That's interesting. Um, well, like, so Julie says, I've been unemployed for three years and I need to work, but I want to love my job. No, Julie, actually, you need to work first. So think of it as a transition position. When people are struggling financially, I always say to them, take your best skills. Like if I was struggling financially right now, I'd go to the nearest good restaurant and wait tables because I was a really, I was a damn good waitress as a young woman and I would have no problem waiting tables um, to make extra money. It felt very entrepreneurial to me. When you're struggling financially, you want to get money. You want a consistent source of income coming in. So you take the jobs that, that are going to pay you the best with the least stress as a transition position while you look for work that you love. Um, otherwise, you're going to get stale. Energetically, you're going to get stale. You're going to wind up not feeling very valuable, and you don't present as well. So, um, and desperation, I always say, people smell desperation um, before you even walk through the door. So having a consistent source of income just allows you to present yourself in a much more confident way. Okay, um, yes, drinking water absolutely raises your energy. Thank you, good advice there, um, Venice. I appreciate that. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, so Liz says, um, I'm a lawyer working in family law. I try to bring people through divorce. Um, and other I try to bring people through divorce and other family law court matters with insight and empathy. God bless you. And I feel like I'm good at what I do. However, I regularly get anxious about my cases and clients, and I worry about the responsibility I have to guide people in the right way. I'm paraphrasing here. I'm inclined to carry the worry around me at times, which can affect my personal life. How do I balance uh, caring for clients with keeping enough separateness? This is a really good question. Um, so that I don't get overwhelmed by the types of issues I deal with, which can be very emotional and quite often sad. 
Sorry for the long question. No worries, Liz. <laughs> I'm writing down your name because I know Facebook's going to scroll past. Good question, Liz. And this, in some ways, can be applied to a lot of different situations where, you know, how do I deal with an aging parent where I'm dealing with my own emotions about them getting older and the stress of dealing with them? Or, um, I mean, in, in some ways, they're similar. And then in your case, Liz, what I would say is this. First of all, this is really important. I used to coach a lot of lawyers, litigators in particular, um, but I spent years coaching lawyers. For some reason, lawyers loved the book, Take Time for Your Life. And um, I suspect it's because I was coaching lawyers before I read it. Um, here's the thing, Liz. The very first thing I would say to you, um, I'm assuming you are earning a consistent source of income, you know, that you're not financially strapped. That's, that's, I'm going to assume that as I give you this advice. Really, really important, Liz, for you at this point to create what I would call an ideal client profile and go back over the last maybe three to five years and look at the clients that you worked with that you actually enjoyed working with, that you felt, let's say it this way, that you felt less stress with. Because I know that there are certain divorce cases that are going to be nightmares that you probably don't want to take on because of your empathetic nature. It's beautiful that you have empathy. I'm very empathetic, and I've had to learn how to protect my empathetic self. Um, and the first thing you do is you really identify who are the clients I work best with. And working best means I can show up, do my job, not be overly invested. I can keep a healthy sense of separateness so that I can be an objective sounding board for them. And the way we do that is by identifying who the ideal clients are. The way I've done that is you look back over the last five years, you make a list of all the clients you've worked with that you've enjoyed or that you felt less stressed with, let's say, and enjoyed. Then you ask yourself, what qualities of character, you know, what qualities, look for patterns and themes. Were they, were you, I'm making this up, but were you representing more men than women, women than men? Was there a certain age range? Were there certain financial situations? Was it when they didn't have children, it was easier? Um, I don't know, like whatever, begin to look for patterns and themes, Liz, in the ideal clients you've already worked with and list all of those, list those qualities separately. And then you want to choose the top seven common qualities and consider that as an ideal client profile. Now I'm, I'm shortening this. If you and I were working together, I'd do it a bit, I'd be more detailed about this. But what you want to come up with is the seven common characteristics of an ideal client. And you want to begin to weed out any new clients that come your way against this list. In other words, when you're interviewing potential new clients, if they don't fit this list, gracefully refer them to someone else. You know what? This doesn't feel like the right fit, but let me tell you who I think you ought to talk to. That's going to kind of nip things in the bud early on. Um, that's the first thing. Then the second thing is with the clients you already have, sometimes, Liz, I know this is going to sound crazy. Um, I say this a lot to people, this little piece of advice. I say to myself, Cheryl, stay on your side of the line. So the moment I feel anxious or I start to feel concerned, overly concerned for someone else, I just say to myself quietly, get back on your side of the line, which means come back here, take a deep breath, and don't be afraid to tell the truth, which is, yeah, this is, this is a hard situation. This might not come out the way you planned. 
I'm not going to sugarcoat things here because I don't want to set you up for a major disappointment. Um, that's some of, you know, my truth telling with as much grace as I possibly can is one of my ways of staying on my side of the line. Sometimes staying on my side of the line means I won't have a conversation with somebody until I'm in a better state, better frame of mind. Sometimes it means having somebody that works for me interact with somebody because it's just better for both of us. I'm trying to think of examples for you, Liz. Um, sometimes it's recognizing that somebody else's sense of urgency isn't always your sense of urgency. Now, I know it's tricky being a lawyer, and whenever we're dealing with people who are in highly emotional states, it can feel like they can make us feel like we need to act quickly, but that's not always the case. And I think it's important to let your clients know up front that you will do your best to be there for them, that you'll do your best to respond to them in a timely fashion, but it may not always be in the time they want. And letting them know that ahead of time, I think is a really, um, is a really smart thing to do. That's one of the ways that you can take the pressure off of yourself. You are not your client's life, Liz. You're not responsible for their choices. I mean, here's the last thing I'll say about this. Every soul that comes here has its own path. We're here to grow and evolve. We're not, you know, life is hard here on planet Earth. I'm sorry, it just is. And um, different souls have different learning opportunities, Liz. And divorce is a one big fat learning opportunity for a lot of people. And um, we don't have the right to deny anybody their learning opportunity. And sometimes, um, sometimes people have to go through really hard things. And our job is to just be a loving witness. I guess that's what I want to say. And, um, but the most important thing I want you to get out of this, Liz, is taking the time to do an ideal client profile because um, I suspect that some of the clients you've taken on are clients that you maybe don't want to take on further down the line. Um, especially if you've been in business for a while. We all outgrow the people we work for. If we're growing and evolving as people, we naturally outgrow the people that we work with. And, um, you know, the clients that we take on, the customers that we work with, um, when it's a service business, when it's relationship-oriented in that way, unless both sides are growing. So, um, and since you're working with, you know, with clients that are going to be moving on, um, you've got to make sure that you're upgrading your ideal client profile as you go along. Okay. I hope that's helpful. I hope that's clear. Let me know if it is by posting a comment. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, I'm just looking, looking for some of your questions here through the comments. Um, Okay, so uh, Parvin, Parvin says, I'm off work due to disability for a shoulder injury, but my insurance rejected my application for disability, so I'm not getting paid. I'm not, uh, I can't help it, but feeling guilty for not making money. Where do I draw the line between self-care and a sense of responsibility to make a living? Well, Parvin, you know, that line is often drawn by necessity, right? 
if you, I don't know if you're in a relationship, if you're feeling guilty because your partner's working, I don't really know. Um, but if you, if you need to be responsible to make a living, then the question's going to be, uh, is there a way for you to earn some money while you're healing? Or do you need to have a conversation with a household member that may be working to support the both of you? In which case, you just need to be honest with the guilt that you're feeling. You need to be honest and ask how you may be able to help out. Sometimes I'll coach couples, for example, where one person loses their job and I'll say to them, listen, you know, if the other person is the breadwinner right now and you're feeling guilty, ask them what you can do at home or for them to pick up some slack so they feel supported on the home front while they're um, helping out financially as you are looking for a job or recovering from surgery or something like that. And then make sure that you make a commitment to do it, to support them in some way so that they feel like... Um, they don't, you know, they, they just, they know that you're aware of the fact that they're, you know, the breadwinner right now and um, you want to be able to pull your weight. That said, shoulder surgery is surgery. And um, I wonder, I, I will say this, Parvin, I don't know where you're from, but a lot of times insurance companies will reject the first disability claim because most people don't have the energy to make a second claim. And you might want to think about possibly making a second claim as well, especially if, if somebody's been paying into insurance. I would say um, I would say that you need to uh, maybe give it another shot. You might be surprised by what happens. Okay. All right, people. You know what? It's uh, gosh, it's been almost an hour. I can't believe it. Thank you all for being here with me. I really appreciate that. And um, I'm glad to be back here with you, and I should be back here next week as well. Make sure, please, that you're subscribed to my newsletter at CherylRichardson.com. That's where I announce when I'll be doing the Facebook Lives ahead of time, so you definitely want to be subscribed there. And also, um, you want to, um, I invite you every morning, almost every morning, not every morning, because I don't put that pressure on myself, but almost every morning, I post... Um, a daily affirmation message on Instagram. The username is Coach on Call, and I'll include it uh, in the post here. My username is Coach on Call, so if you haven't been following me, please do because I'm posting a new kind of affirmation that speaks directly to you about um, how you want to uh, live, start your day, and live your day. So uh, you might want to check it out over there. And again, uh, make sure if you want to be on the wait list to be notified of the retreat opening up this week, be sure to go to CherylRichardson.com to do that. I'll put a link here as well, okay, when we're done. All right, everybody. <clears throat> Remember, in the new year, you want to be present to your life. That's the most important resolution you could make. Show up for yourself. And show up for this beautiful... Uh, miracles that life is just waiting to show you. It's all around you. You just need to be there in order to see it. Okay. Thanks for being with me, everybody. Lots of love. Talk to you soon. Bye.